Hi and welcome to this week's episode of The Drowning Pastor. My name is Adrian Tabone and I'm so happy that you're able to join with me for this week's edition. On today's episode of The Drowning Pastor, we will investigate one of the most confronting statements that Jesus ever made to the church. It is found in Revelation chapter 2. And it was this statement to the church that Jesus brought to my attention in a time in my life when I wanted to quit ministry. My prayer for today is that you will also be challenged by the word that Jesus is giving to us today. Today's episode will be a confronting one, but it will be one that will lead to positive change. Before we continue, let us first have a look at some ministry helps. It is so easy to become distracted from prayer by whatever else is going on in our lives. We want to read the latest news stories, watch the new binge-worthy series on Netflix, we are busy with family life, careers or our endless Facebook feeds. Let me recommend PrayerMate as a powerful tool in this battle. Add this little yellow icon to the dock or or homepage of your smartphone and you will have a regular reminder to turn to God in prayer. As the PrayerMate website explains, this app helps you organize your prayer life, know what to pray for and actually pray. Here are three ways that PrayerMate can help you for the world uh, sorry, help you for the world, for the nation, for your church and for others and for yourself. Firstly, prayer lists. The app is based around prayer lists, which can be pre-made by others or created from scratch by you. For family, I have a list of names of those that I want to pray for, each with notes of specific things to pray. For my church, I have a list titled 18 Things to Pray for Our Church, created by the Gospel Coalition, and can add, and can add others uh, other things as well. There are lists that give new prayer uh, points each day from organisations like UCCF, Open Doors and UFM. There is one, uh, even one from FIEC to give prayer points to the different churches across the country. I'm sure you can see how having these topics automatically update on your phone can be helpful, especially for those whose, well, let's be honest, their phones are often at use. It helps you remember who and what to pray for and informs you on new things to pray for. Maybe you could encourage people to create their own lists to regulate prayer for loved ones or to subscribe to feeds from different organisations that your church partners with. Number two, it helps with church prayer lists. You could go to step further and create your own church prayer list on PrayerMate. This could include reoccurring prayers that are general to the church, or you could add specific prayers each day to be sent to a, to a member or members prayer list on the app. Many churches produce prayer lists to help members pray for one another and pray for different church ministries, often in the form of a printed sheet or booklet. But PrayerMate offers digital or a digital solution to this task, which automatically updates when your prayer list is done, without the need to replace the out-of-dated prayer or printed sheets. You could make your church prayer feed public so that others can keep up to date with your prayer points, maybe former members or ministry partners. The ability to create your own church prayer feed on PrayerMate is free for small churches with a small subscription for more features. 
The team of prayer mate are happy to help you through the process too. Number three, prayer groups. A new feature in the app is prayer groups. This allows a private group of app users to share private prayer requests with each other in the app. Does your church or do your church small groups share prayer requests in a WhatsApp chat? This feature would fil- oh, so would help filter out the other still important conversations and focus on what your prayer needs there are. Or maybe your leadership team want to pray for one another regularly. Prayer groups in PrayerMate allow up-to-date requests to be prayed for each time the app is used. Individuals set up these groups, or you could create them as a church to empower your small groups and ministries to pray intentionally for one another. In a world where digital technology is so prevalent, I hope this encourages you to consider trying a new way of lifting one another and the world to our eternal God in prayer. You can find out more about Prayer Mate on the website and uh, on the app as well, which can be downloaded from the Apple Store, Google Play, or Amazon, Amazon sorry, App Store. Now back to today's topic. John Piper once said, Most of our bitterness and anger towards others is rooted in an ability to be profound or profoundly sorry, amazed at Christ's love for us in our sin. If you are struggling with bitterness, he goes on to say, then it may be that the Lord is letting the very sin that is flowing from your inability to see Christ be the means by which you come to see him. In other words, he goes on to say, perhaps this season of rage and anger and a fed up, I'm out of here, I don't want anything to do with you anymore, spirit is where you have to, uh, is where, sorry, you have to had to have come in order to see the greatness of your sin and uh, sorry, as a forgiving and justified saint or forgiven, sorry, and justified saint. And the Lord has done it so that you would be stunned at his grace in a deeper way that you've ever or never been stunned by the grace of of God before. And now out of the experience can flow grace toward others. Bitterness in ministry is something that I think we all can connect to. We've all been bitter, whether it be we're bitter at God or we're bitter at people in our church. We're bitter at how things are being done. We're bitter that people aren't listening to us. They're not responding to us. There is just so many reasons why we become bitter in ministry. Now, what you tag along with that is the fact that I know in my early days of ministry, I worked so hard. I mean, I worked so hard to try and get things done, to try and meet the needs, to try and create ministries, to try and do something that's going to get the church motivated and active. But unfortunately, I I pushed myself so hard and I did it for such a long time that eventually it all caught up with me. And as I I will share uh, a little bit later on down the track in some of the future episodes, one of the things that God confronted me with was my inability to love him the way that I needed to. And why was that so important? Because without loving him the way that I needed to, I could not fulfill all that God wanted me to do in ministry. And that was my problem. And it's fair to say that all of us pretty much fit under that same category. Every single one of us are pushing so hard because we want out of the goodness of our heart to have the church go to the next level. 
We want to see the church grow. We want to see people lives, people's lives impacted. We want to see souls saved. We want to, we want to tick all the boxes and we want to see it grow and grow and grow. And we want that for good reasons. We want it to glorify God. We want it so that people can look at the church and think, wow, what a powerful church that is. But I think somewhere along the way, as God revealed in my life, I think it's very true for every single one of us. Somewhere along the way, we've transitioned from being people who serve out of a love for Christ to become people who serve because they know that's what they need to do. And the difference between the two is when you serve out of a love for Christ, you are walking with him every step of the way. But when you are serving just to get things done and, and pushing yourself to the limits because you want success, it is fair to say that we are in danger of sacrificing our relationship with Christ for the sake of a successful ministry. Now I say this to not point the finger at anybody, but to share with you my journey. My experience, because in ministry, that was my biggest problem. You see, I pushed myself so hard. I, I wanted results more than anybody else. And when things weren't happening, I, 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 was, I was just frustrated. I was bitter. I was angry. All these things frustrated me like you would not believe. It was a frustration. In fact, it turned into bitterness toward God in the end. Because I would say to God, how can you allow these things to happen? Why aren't things happening in this church? Why aren't people responding? Why aren't people active? And I, I would challenge God nearly almost weekly. But I never confronted the issue until God brought it to my attention. You see, I had no problem working for God. In fact, I would work for him quite uh, intensely. But my biggest problem was that I did that at the sacrifice of my own personal relationship with God. When I got to the breaking point of my ministry in 2017, I remember at that point I wanted to quit. I hated what I was doing. I hated the person that I had become. I was so bitter and angry. I was so frustrated with ministry. I, I was blaming everybody else, even God. I was bitter at God because I remember thinking to myself, you know what, God, I've sacrificed all of this, all these years, all this time I've sacrificed so much for you. And, and look at us. We're a church that's falling apart. You know, I'm falling apart. My family's falling apart. And, and I don't know how to get out of this. And I'm wondering if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been in that same position where you've just wondered, is this really all worth it well it came to a point in 2017 in fact it was around december the 5th 2017 when a dear friend of mine and, and their church pretty much called me pastor Bax uh from lighthouse baptist church in rockhampton contacted me and asked me um if i could preach at their church service in the evening and also lead their morning worship service now, I have to tell you that such a request was, was a tremendous honor for me because I, I have the most, the, the greatest admiration for my fellow brothers and sisters there in Rockhampton. I love them with every ounce of my being. I think they're the most tremendous people um, that I've ever met in the kingdom. Their passion and their love for Christ is, is just reflective upon everyone that they get in touch with. They're just an amazing group of people. But you see, I, I had such a low opinion of myself that when the request was given, 
out of courtesy for them, I just felt I couldn't do it. I was in such a terrible state. I was a mess spiritually. I was a mess physically. Uh, everything was falling apart around me and I wanted out. I, I couldn't do this anymore. But through some advice, um, through people close to me, and in particular my wife, who I'll tell you what, what a blessing she has been for me. She encouraged me to go, probably because she was sick of my whinging and complaining. Maybe that was a big part of it, uh, which is not true. She wasn't. But, you know, she just said to me, I think you need to go. I think you need to go for you. You need to you need a break. You need to get away and you need to assess and, and, and ask God what it is that he wants you to do. And I ended up going and I went and the very first night I attended there, it's it's unbelievable how God can give you just one night, one event that changes everything for you. And that one night happened um, on, I think it was around the 3rd of December, which was, like, if I remember the top of my head, it was such a long time ago. I think it was a Friday. I could be wrong. But anyway, I was there at Rockhampton sitting in my room, crying out to God in absolute tears. This was the first day I arrived, you know, the first night I was there. And I remember crying out to God saying, what is wrong with me? What has happened? The things that I love doing, I don't love doing them anymore. I have a love for preaching and that passion was gone. I had no love for my people. I was so empty and I was so void inside. And I didn't know what was missing. It's a good thing that God knew exactly what was missing. Because as I remember sitting there and crying out to God with tears coming down you know, my face... I said to myself, well, if, if I'm asking God to help me here, probably it's best that I open the word and, and have a look and see what God has to say. So I did. But where do I look? When you're in that state, where do you turn in scripture? I had no idea what to turn to. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. So I did what probably, let's be honest, most of us have probably done at one point in our life when we've hit the crossroads like that. And we wanted to look to the scriptures for answers. We've, we've opened the Bible randomly and we've just pointed and said, that'll do. Well, I did one of those and the Lord led me to Revelation chapter 2. And I tell you, it was one of the most profound passages of scripture that has ever impacted in my life. The church in Ephesus is the very first of the seven churches that Jesus speaks to uh, when he uh, encourages John to write these seven letters to the seven churches. And I want you to take note of what he says about the church in Ephesus. In verse 1, he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, this is verse 1 of chapter 2 in the book of Revelation. He says, write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Listen to what Jesus who. I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear who is evil, or who are evil, sorry. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. And I remember sitting there and that sounds so familiar. That sounds exactly like me. And I remember looking at that thinking, God, that's what I want to become. What can I do to become that? 
You know, you, you read those things and you think, what a church, mate. These guys are the best. But little did I realize that there was an issue. And in verse 4, Jesus gives us, I believe, one of the most confronting statements that Jesus could give any church. And it's these words. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, I don't know about you, but I sat down when I was at breaking point and I read these verses. After I just said to God, I want to be verse 2 and 3. Like, I want that. Look at, look at them. That's what I want, Lord. I want to be that. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we work as hard as what we do. Because we want to become like that. But there's a danger. And the danger is that we can strive to be like that. And we do it at the, the neglect of our first love. And I remember when I read verse 4, I said to Jesus right there and then, Hold on, Jesus, are you telling me that you can do all those things and not love you? And I'll never forget his response. Just in my heart and in my mind, I just sensed him telling me, Adrian, that's what you've been doing for the last 10 years. I knew at that moment that things were no longer going to be the same. I knew at that moment that just as Jesus confronted the church in Ephesus and gave them the most confronting statement that you could give anybody, he meant that for me. And that very night, as I took in those words, and I'll be honest with you, it was like a sucker punch. I don't know if you've ever had anyone punch you in the stomach and just the wind that just comes out and you're just stunned. And I remember sitting there completely stunned at what God was doing. And I gave myself a few moments as I realized what the problem was. And I said, all right, God, what do I do? How do I get out of this? What do I need to do? And it's there that Jesus gives three commands. Three commands that I think are really, really important. And it's in verse 5. I'll just read them for you quickly and then we'll touch on each of them. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. That's his first command. Remember from where you have fallen. I'll talk about that shortly. Then he says, repent. Second command. Repent. Gee, that, that, that's a confronting word, isn't it? Repent. Isn't that meant for just non-believers? And then he says the third command, which is do the first works. And I want you to know that it was verse 5 that gave me the confidence to make the necessary changes I needed to make and know that God was was absolutely in it um, from the start, from the moment I started to where I am today. But thinking, let's just go through those three three commands quickly because you're like, if you're sitting there and you listen to this, you're thinking, man, that, that's me. I'm at that place. I'm at a crisis. I've done everything I can to build this church and it just does not seem to grow. And I've worked as hard as anybody. I've pushed myself to the absolute limit. And what have I got to show for it? I mean, I've said those words to God in, in my bitterness. And, and I know what it's like to be there. It's the worst feeling in the world. 
But I sat there after hearing that and I said, all right, Jesus, what do I do? How do I get out of this? And I looked at those three things that he mentions in verse 5. And I, I those three commands. And I want to break them down just very quickly. He says, firstly, to the church in Ephesus, remember where you have fallen. Now, notice he doesn't say, remember when you have fallen. Because that's the first thing we go to. At what point in my life did this drift away? That's not the point of what Jesus is saying. He doesn't want us to remember when we have fallen. Because let's be honest, it happens so subtly that it is so elongated in our ministry that we have no idea at what point things changed. So Jesus doesn't want us to focus on the when. He wants us to focus on the where we have fallen. And where have we fallen? Well, think back to that moment you first trusted in Christ and that hunger that you had to want to know Christ more. And you knew that the only way that you can go grow in your love for Christ was to be in his word and to be with him. And the more you did that, the more you began to grow. Yes, at some point things changed. But it's that very hunger that you once had is the very thing that Jesus is wanting you to remember. Remember the hunger that you had when you were a young Christian, young in the faith, so passionate, so zealous for the things of God. Remember from when you have, where you have fallen because you're no longer in that place. When ministry becomes all about you, it, it comes at the expense of knowing Christ more. And I'm not ashamed to say that that was me. It is a horrible experience. And I, I wish I never had allowed myself to get to that place. But you see, sometimes we need to get to that place to understand exactly what we've lost. And when we've lost our first love, is there really anything more catastrophic than that? What if we had our first love and yet our ministries didn't flourish? Did you think, or do you honestly think it won't make an impact? These are the lessons that I had to learn. They were painful lessons. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that I learned them. The second thing he says is to repent. Now, to repent is a change of mind, isn't it? We are to, to change the way we think. Now, if we had fallen, if he asked us, sorry, to remember where we had fallen, you know, that, that moment in our lives when we were walking with him, talking, was, was a way of thinking. Our mind was geared towards how can I grow to learn Christ more. But as I said, busyness comes in and we move away from that mindset. And all of a sudden our mind is saying, what can we do to be creative? What can we do to, to you know, see the church grow and the church to blossom? And we push ourselves to the maximum. And we don't realize that in doing so, it doesn't just affect our relationship with Jesus, which is the most important thing that we have. It will ultimately affect our relationships in church. It will definitely affect our relationships at home, you know, husbands and wives and our children. And I say this again from my own experience. The, the strain that I put on my family, when I look back now at what I had become, was, was I think, the thing that impacted me the most. And I, I saw how it was affecting the church. But what really grieved me was how it was affecting my own family. And it's true that when they say that the people that we love the most are the ones we tend to hurt the most. And it's so heartbreaking. I knew that I had to change the way I, 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 I thought of things. 
I had to change the way I did ministry. I had to change the way I lived my life. I had to learn how to re-love Christ again. But for me to do that, I had to repent. I had to change the way I thought. One of those things for me was I sat down with our leadership team. And I just said to them, look, I, I, I can't do everything that you want me to do. I can't, you know, I, I'm not an administrator. It's not my gifting. I, I'm a people person. That's what God's gifted me in. I want to teach, encourage, uplift, support. I can't do these other things. And they're the things that are crushing me. So I said, I, either I'm not the right man for the job, or we're going to have to look at how we can broaden our ministries to help compensate for those areas that I, I just can't fulfill. And we made that step, and it's been a tremendous blessing for our church. You see, you're not the answer to the church's problems. Just like I was not the answer to our church's problems. Jesus is the answer. But I tell you, why is it that we know this, and yet we consume ourselves with busyness? For me, I had to repent. I had to change the way I did things. And I want to just quickly add to that. Now it's been three years on this journey. And I can tell you that my relationship with my, my wife is better than it's ever been before. My relationship with my children is better than it's ever been before. Is it because I'm perfect? Absolutely not. I still have moments. But I am humble enough to go to my children and say that I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for saying what I did. I'm sorry for doing what I did. And I'm learning to grow in my love for Christ. But I can tell you now that the effect that it's had on our church has been profound. I'm seeing people grow in their relationship with Christ. And you know why? Because they've seen that in me. And they've made the connection that loving Christ is the most important thing. But for us to do that, we have to change the way we think. And then the last thing he says there is do the first works. Do the first works. Now, I sat there and I thought, do the first works. And I remembered back in my life, you know, what were the things that I really enjoyed doing in my early days when I was a, a believer in Christ? And I remember, you know, I used to enjoy doing journaling. Well, that, that was non-existent. Um, I used to enjoy doing soap journaling. And that went out the window. Um, I used to pray. I, I, I was not praying. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying it. I was a pastor that did not pray for his people, that did not pray for anything really. I was so exhausted and I was so tired spiritually and physically and mentally that I just, I, I couldn't do it. I just had nothing. I had nothing to offer to God. And also reading. Reading books was something I did enjoy, but I'm not sure if you're the same, but I know I have a big problem. When I start reading a book, I, I'm great for the first chapter and then everything after that falls apart. I don't touch the book pretty much ever again. I've got many books I've started that are the first chapter and that's it. Well, I made a commitment that very night that, Look, I know I'm not going to be able to just read books whole in one sitting. But what I am going to do is I'm going to commit, Lord, to four pages a day of a book. Four pages. That's all I'm going to do. And I'm not talking about any book. I'm talking about books that are going to help me spiritually. Books that deal with personal growth in Christ, relationship, parenting, uh, ministry. All those things I, I committed to four pages a day. And in the three years that I've been on this journey, every single day as I have my time with the Lord, I can tell you now that I've just finished. I'm on, sorry, I'm just onto my 32nd book. My 32nd book in doing that. I, I knew that after seeing all these things, the change had to 
come. I recognised that change had to come and it had to start with me. I could no longer keep going on the journey that I was going through. But I'm so thankful to God that he brought these things to my attention. And it's with these things in my mind that I share with you this morning, or in this podcast, sorry. Because I know what it's like when you feel like your back is against the wall, when you feel like you've done everything you can in your power and you can't keep going anymore. I know what it's like when you want to just give up, not just give up on ministry, give up on everything. You know, I got to a place where I even wanted to give up on life. I I was pushed to the absolute maximum. And thankfully, I've been able to get the help that I've needed, whether it be through therapy and some wonderful godly counseling. And also through medication, which I've taken to help me through my time and period of depression and anxiety. It's been the greatest thing for me. But the, the, the thing that has helped me the most has been learning how to love Jesus all over again. When I started on this journey three years ago, I committed to about 15 minutes a day of of devotion to God, which included the reading, scripture reading, soap journaling. Well, actually, at the first part, it wasn't soap journaling. That happened a year later. Um, And prayer. I prayed probably 15, oh, sorry, five prayer requests a day. But I knew if I could just establish that first, then it, it would grow. And I want to tell you that in the three years that I've been on this journey, every single day praying and God giving me more and more people to pray for, I've seen my ministry go to a level that I would never have thought it would have gone to. I spend nearly between an hour and a half to two hours a day with the Lord in prayer. And I could go longer, but obviously things still need to be done. But the greatest thing for me is that I can now continue in ministry with a a passion and knowing my limits and knowing exactly what my priority is in my ministry. My priority is loving Jesus Christ more. Everything outside of that is not my responsibility. Growing the church is not my responsibility. And I'm at peace with that. Instead, I will love Christ and, and through loving him, I will better love other people. So I want to encourage you today. Because as I said, you're hearing this and you're thinking, mate, I'm exactly where you're at. I want you to know that things can change. Things can change, but priorities have to change. And it will come at a sacrifice. It means that you may have to relinquish things that you've put under your own control that have crushed you that have grinded you to a pulp. You're going to have to let those things go. And you're going to have to commit to a relationship with Christ every single day and start small and let it grow. I'm telling you now, I I long for every morning I wake up, which I get up five o'clock each morning. I just long to wake up and just sit down and, okay, what's God going to teach me today? I mean that before. Never had that before. And I'll tell you now, I'll take this more than anything that I've ever done in the past. And I want to encourage you to take that step. Love Jesus Christ. Know your limits. Know that your major priority is Jesus Christ, not what you do and how you do it. The rest is completely and totally into God's hand. He will build his church and it will be a powerful thing. And lives will be impacted and people will grow because people will see the difference. I trust that in this podcast, 
that God has touched hold of your heart. I want to close in prayer and I want to pray for those that may be watching this who feel exactly the way that I felt back then. I want to encourage you. I want you to know that there is hope. There is a way out, but it will come at a, at a sacrifice and that sacrifice is everything that you're doing. Those things have to stop and you need to prioritize your time and your life for the sake of your own life, for the sake of your family and for the sake of your ministry. So let me pray and, uh, and then I'll finish up. Lord, firstly, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the church there in Ephesus, Lord, and, and just the powerful words that you gave them. So confronting, Lord, especially in our culture that is so driven by success. Sometimes, Lord, that drive for success comes at a cost and it always ends up costing you. We walk away from you and then we become tired. So Lord, I thank you that you reach out to us, that you give us enough rope to lead ourselves into a really difficult situation, but your hand is still there pulling us back to yourself. And I pray for those right now that are listening to this who are hurting and are frustrated and they're carrying so much bitterness. Lord, that you would... Help them to unload that bitterness right now. To give that to you in prayer. That they recognize right now that their time with you has not been what it's meant to be. That they would make a commitment, Lord, small as it can be. Baby steps at first, Lord. That they would commit, even if it be 15 minutes, 5 minutes, it makes no difference. But may it be daily. Because every single day that we draw closer to you, our lives are changed. As Jesus told us, we cannot bear fruit unless we abide in the vine. Lord, we need to abide in you. As leaders, we must abide in you. And I pray that, Father, today, that would be the change and transition that would be happening, Lord, in the heart of the one that is listening right now. I thank you and I praise you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name. Once again, I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Uh, but until then, please don't forget to subscribe. Um, you can subscribe to my uh, podcast. That would be great. And uh, you can email me, contact me. You can get me on Facebook, uh, Adrian Tabone. Uh, just look for my name. Um, but I'm really looking forward to catching up with you next time. God bless everyone and uh, look forward to seeing you then.